mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Beware of Spoilers. I am Adam. So, as I do typically whenever I review a Marvel movie, I will be uh, splitting up the episode into part one, part two. Uh, not in the old way we used to do it, where it's pre-movie thoughts, post-movie thoughts. It would it was going to be um, without spoilers and with spoilers. So I tend to see these movies on opening night, well, tonight, preview night. Um, and I want to make sure that if I'm going to review it, if someone wants to get a, a, um, a spoiler-free review, the option is there. And then I'm going to spoil the fuck out of it after that. Um, of course, new Marvel movie. Today is March 7th. Uh, it is Captain Marvel. Um, is it March 7th? Am I, yeah, it's March 7th. Okay, I'm not fucking up too badly. Um, I, I think that the uh, this movie was... I'm going to be honest. The plot points in this movie, not at all what I expected. And the reason why I'm going to go more into that in, in the spoiler section, because as a part of the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe, this does create a few problematic things going forward. Um, going into the movie, I already had an innate problem because... Not innate problem, that's the wrong way to put it, but I had a little bit of a... There was going to be an adjustment period going into the movie. Um, but fortunately, they kind of correct that, um, where, you know, it's not too long before you realize what's actually going on, and it's uh, they, they, they don't go out of their way to, uh, what's it called, to keep you in the dark and try to confuse you too long. Because as we know from the trailers and everything, she's working with the Kree. The Kree were the bad guys in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in... Um, I feel like the Kree are referencing other things besides Angel Shield and in Guardians of the Galaxy because the Kree are the bad guys there too. And now in this movie, she's working with the Kree, so there's a little bit of an adjustment to get used to her working with the Kree. Um, although I think when people saw it, they had Ronan the Accuser and uh, the other guy um, from Guardians of the Galaxy were going to be working with her. People were like, she's not going to be working with them for long um, because it, it just. It's too odd, considering we, the, the only capacity we've seen these people in is, uh, is as villains. And if we're going to try to make them more sympathetic, um, it would just be weird, especially considering where they are. Uh, they don't really try to expand on Ronan any, which I guess doesn't hurt or help, because he was always a one-dimensional bad guy, and this doesn't really make him any less of a one-dimensional bad guy. It doesn't make him any more of a one-dimensional bad guy. He's just the same one-dimensional bad guy he was, blindly following Kree orders. Um... I'm actually surprised they did a good job with the typical we're not going to tell you who this person is trick um, because it's like they pulled that with Wrath of Khan, with uh, Star Trek um, Into Darkness where it's like, oh, who's Benedict Cumberbatch playing? It's not Khan, it's not Khan, oh, it's Khan. And then with Arkham Knight, it was who's the Arkham Knight? Oh, it's not Jason Todd, it's not Jason Todd. Surprise, it's Jason Todd, you never guessed it. Why? Because we told you it wasn't. They didn't do that here and uh, they, uh, this is kind of a minor spoiler, but uh, Jude Law is not playing Marvel. Um, I don't know if that was known for a while or if it just, I was just slow on the uptake of not knowing that going into the movie and if other people did, but, uh, he's not playing, uh, what's it called? He's not playing, um, uh, Marvel. There is Marvel in this movie, but it's a different character. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, I have one minor complaint about the movie and I think that it, I don't know if this is so much 
the movie or if I see it in a different theater or if I see it when it comes out on DVD, if it's going to be corrected. But a lot of the sequences in the movie are really dark and it's hard to see. So, like, there's a sequence toward the end of the movie, like, right toward the beginning of the third act when she's getting in, when she's modifying her costume's colors with the help of Monica Rambeau. And, um, she's, uh, she's modifying the colors of the costume and we see her settle on the, uh, the... The, the out the, the the comics costume for Captain Marvel and uh, we see her do that and then um, it's in the dark so there's like this moment where they're, they're playing a triumphant upswell on the music to try and show her in like full costume for the first time accepting her responsibility there um, and it's kind of a uh, what's it called it, it kind of falls a little bit flat because you can't really see it because the movie is so dark in the scene you can't really tell that her costume changed colors at all um so yeah, I think that the um, I think if you ha- if obviously you probably haven't seen this movie considering this episode is going up uh, the night it came out, I saw literally the first showing on the East Coast time, which would have been seven seven thirty. I saw it in three D, um, but I think that if you ha- this is definitely a movie worth seeing. Um, I, I if comparing it to Wonder Woman, I would say this is a slightly better movie than Wonder Woman because it does nail its third act where Wonder Woman kind of stumbles to the finish. Um. It does kind of nail the third act a little bit better, um, and it has a whole uh, a whole bunch of cute little like you know nods to the future that we know of uh, throughout the movie. Um, and we'll go into that more in the spoiler section, but absolutely worth worth your time seeing this movie. Now, if you're continuing on past this point, I'm going to spoil the movie um, with some of the larger plot points going on that I enjoyed, didn't enjoy that kind of stuff. So from here on out, spoilers, um, as the title would suggest. Um, so. Uh, number one, we have, we do have Marvel in the movie, as I said before, and the reason why it's important that they, we, we, Marvel is kind of instrumental to Carol's intro as a character, um, in Marvel, because her origin story is very similar to the origin story of the Green Lantern, and they do an interesting thing in this movie where we, we go, we kind of start in media res, where she's working for the Kree, so we don't have her origin from the beginning, and then she becomes a hero, and then she goes off, and then she, you know, that kind of thing, it's, she's already got powers, and she's already fighting as a soldier, and she already is in space, and all this stuff already happened, and then as she's going along, it slowly pieces together her origin, it's like, she sees flashbacks, and then the, um, the scrolls are tinkering with her mind, and she gets more flashbacks, and then she goes to Earth, she finds a file, and she sees herself on Earth with all these other people, and it's an interesting way, I think, of showing, doing the origin, in that way, to the point where you don't really think of it as a, as a very similar story to Origin to Green Lantern, where it's the previous Lantern dies, he passes on his power. This is Marvel is there, she's building this lightspeed engine. Um, she tries to leave with it to help, as we as it turns out, Marvel, the good guy, is trying to help the Skrulls, who are also the good guy in this movie, which is surprising to me. Um, and uh, she, you know, she it blows up, but the energy from the uh, from the lightspeed engine goes into Captain Mar- Captain Marvel. I guess I had a realization about that. I'm gonna get to that in a minute because there's a, another pretty big plot point from here and from previous movies that's kind of just touched on, but not really fully addressed um, as as to its significance. It's kind of just. Because they don't know, because it takes place in the future and in the past, and it's... Okay, we'll get that in a minute, but... So she has... She gets the powers that way, then they put a dampener on her, so that way she's not the full strength of her power, so if you've ever heard... Uh, if you've ever seen any of the iterations of Dark Phoenix, you're familiar with this kind of stupidity, where they're like, we're gonna keep a dampener on her, and then when they figure out... Figure it out that they've been dampening the powers, and they're afraid of you, nothing bad could possibly go wrong. So, um... 
the thing I was saying before about uh, that is uh, the power source from the Lightspeed engine is something we have already. Something It's something we've already had in the Marvel Universe since it was first shown in a sketchbook in Iron Man 2 and then in Captain America, the first Captain America movie, it makes its first appearance as the MacGuffin that they're chasing through the, through the movie. The Tesseract comes back because we can't get enough of the fucking Infinity Stones, can we? So we have the Tesseract is on the 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 lab that Marvel had, and she's using it to power the lab and power the Lightspeed engine and all that. So I guess we can say why she's going to have a special connection to defeating Thanos. It's because their powers are derived from an Infinity Stone in a way that no one else is. Um, because, like, no other character has their power set based on it coming from an Infinity Stone. So, it, it, it just kind of, you know, that that could be the big connection. Is that she probably has, because of her powers being derived from energy that came from the Tesseract, she may have some connection to the Space Stone, but it's, you know, it's nebulous. Um... That's all unknown going into Endgame. Um, which brings me to my next point. I wanted to address this as a general movie-going experience um, pet peeve I have. I've mentioned in the past I don't like clapping. And I don't. I don't like when people clap at a movie. Like, you can laugh, you can react. That's fine. But don't fucking applaud things. Please don't applaud things. Um, and I had a feeling that this was going to happen when they... For the, the Marvel Studios logo in the beginning where they usually show clips from the previous movies, like, they show, like, Iron Man 1, they show Captain America running through the forests of, uh, Europe, they show Hulkbuster suit up, they show things like that, they showed all of Stanley's cameos, um, through the entire thing, and, like, the script pages were all Stanley's cameos, it, it was a cute thing, and I should have known people going, oh, like that, and I was like, it's gonna be one of those movies, and thankfully they're quiet through the entire rest of the fucking thing, then there was a standing ovation at the end of the movie, because, you know, a st- a not just a standing ovation, a standing, like, hooting, hollering, like, shut the fuck up and sit down. It's a fucking movie, not a stage performance uh, standing ovation. Um, and then there was uh, the the mid credit scene. There are two post credit scenes on this movie. Um, the last one is just, they at one point, to get the Tesseract off of the spaceship, they feed the Tesseract to uh, the cat, Goose, who's not really a cat. Um, and then he, he spits out, like, a hairball on uh, Fury's desk. Um... And he, uh, what they, the other post-credit scene, the more important post-credit scene, because, like, we don't need to know what happened to the Tesseract between there and the Avengers. We kind of can figure out that S.H.I.E.L.D. has the Tesseract, then S.H.I.E.L.D.'s working on the Tesseract 20 years later. It, it kind of gets fits together. You don't need to really do too much thinking about it. Um, 15 years later, not 20. Um, so, the other one that's more important, it takes place immediately after Infinity War, and it shows, uh, like, Captain America and Black Widow and, um, all of them are standing around. And it's, uh, you see the, uh, the beeper, Fury's, the Fury's pager that he had. You see that hooked up to a, a giant battery of some kind. And Black Widow's like, oh, we, uh, we're looking, we, I mean, Fury was obviously trying to get to someone. We gotta figure out who's on the other side of that pager and we gotta get through to them. And then she turns around and Captain Marvel's standing there and she's just like, where's Fury? At that point, the entire row ahead of me, I could only describe their reaction to the scene as a similar reaction to someone having a full-body orgasm. 
They were screaming. They were rocking back and forth in their chairs, similar to the, the famed person at Force Awakens when Han Solo died, but in a good way, not in a bad way. Stomping their feet, screaming their heads off. It was either a homicide or they just came. I don't know which it was. I wish they had died because that would have been more enjoyable for me because then they wouldn't have been screaming anymore. But please don't scream in a movie theater because the, the it's designed to keep sound in and when you scream, it just gets louder and louder and it's annoying. Like, we get it, you're excited and everyone else in the theater, if they're going to see this movie on opening night, is also excited about that, because it's like, it's 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 the next thing. It's like when, when you saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, and you saw Pym and Janet and Hope all get dusted, you're like, oh shit, shit's going down, and it's going back to the next Avengers movie. This, it's the same thing. It's just, you don't have to fucking scream and stamp your feet. It makes so much noise that it becomes a nuisance to everyone around you. And also, one other minor complaint, if someone is using their phone in the theater, that person's a douche. Everyone around that person knows they're a douche. What's more annoying than the person using their phone in the theater is the the person who's like five rows back screaming, excuse me, turn your phone off. Excuse me, turn your phone off. Like, holy fuck. Because the thing is, the person using their phone, everyone else in the theater is ignoring that. Because usually the screen's down dim enough where it's like it's not a huge deal. But they're off to the side or they're in front of you. But it's rows down and it's all that. You yelling over the movie to turn off your phone is infinitely more annoying. And you're ruining it for everyone around you. Because a phone can be ignored. Someone screaming over the dialogue cannot. So that's the end of my, my theater gripes section of this. Um, but yes, and then another cute thing I did that nodded to the future was, um, when they, uh, when he's coming up with the, uh, at the end of the movie, he realizes, Fury, that, like, they can't defend, like, Earth can't defend itself from aliens because, uh, what's it called? Um, they, they made it seem like, they, they know there are aliens out there, and the only person who could defend them at that point was Captain Marvel, and she's on the other side of the universe, and she can't help. So, they they start coming up with what what he starts calling the protector initiative, and then he sees her picture and her call sign or her yeah her call sign when she was in the uh, the military when she was in the air force was Avenger. So they he renamed it to the Avengers Initiative, um, and that's and they play the Avengers theme and it's the same thing as at the end of Doctor Strange when they slowly mesh his theme into Sylvester's Avengers theme. Um, it's kind of the same thing where they do that there too. Um, and I think that I, I, it honestly is a very good movie. There's a lot of great moments of her where it's not normal in any superhero movie for the hero to show any sort of vulnerability and it be okay, where it's like, you don't really see that unless it's played off for laughs. Like, um, Captain America never really has a moment of vulnerability in any of his movies. Uh, Wonder Woman doesn't have a moment of vulnerability. She just has a moment where she feels like betrayed. Just betrayal is the only emotion she really feels uh, in the movie besides a drive to complete her mission um, in Wonder Woman. And that's the only time you get any sort of, uh, what's it called, change to her behavior is when uh, she feels that uh, Steve Trevor and the other not Howling Commandos uh, have been influenced by Ares as well. 
it's uh, this movie allows Carol to show emotion and show conflict and show that she she's she's coming to terms with the fact that a, a, a giant portion of her life was just erased from her memory. And the movie actually gives her time and space to explore that and to like visibly go through that and still show it's okay. You can still be powerful after that. And it doesn't, and, and you know, a hero isn't afraid to show the vulnerability. Because, like, Iron Man, the only time Iron Man really shows vulnerabilities in Iron Man 3, and a lot of times it's played off the of laughs, and in Iron Man 2 as well, when he's going through his, uh, the stages of, uh, not grief, when he's going through the, all the signs of being suicidal, um, right before, as he's dying from the, the thing in his chest, um, it's mostly played off the of laughs. When you go to, uh, um, what was the other one? Like, um, Thor is just kind of powering through everything, just kind of hoping for the best. But the only person who really shows and expresses vulnerability in a normal human adult way is Captain Marvel. And she's she's showing the grief of the lost life she had and all of that stuff. And she's she uh, that's why I think Brie Larson was a good choice to play her because it uh, she actually was able. She's a she's a very expressive actress. She's an Academy Award winning actress. She knows how to work the scene like that, especially coming from a role like Room. Um, so I think this is a very, this is a, an excellent movie all around. It's just, a, I, my only complaint with the color grading, and that could have just been my theater had an issue with the brightness on the screen. Um, I don't know how, how accurate that is, but we'll look, we'll, I'll look into it at some point. Um, I did like, there's one action sequence toward the end that I really liked, and I'm starting to think that we can make the case that Gunn wasn't quite as instrumental in uh, what we see in Guardians of the Galaxy as we may have originally thought. Because I was watching the credits for this movie, and there's a similar, a familiar name in the screenwriting credits, uh, Nicole Perlman. She co-wrote the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And this movie does a, a great job with soundtrack choices for the period in the same way Guardians of the Galaxy does. Now, it's not as overt. It's not her walking around with a Walkman and having it be part of her identity. It's just the soundtrack interacts with the movie. Like, um, what's it called? The, uh, when, when they, when she's meeting with the Supreme Intelligence, who's played by Annette Benning, who also plays Captain Mar- uh, who also plays Marvel. it's, they're, they're playing Come As You Are from Nirvana. And it's, it's a, it's the same kind of thing they have in Guardians. It's just not, as in, it's not quite where Guardians. I've said in the past, you could probably make the case as a musical because the cast is interacting with the music. The music isn't quite so much being interacted with as much as it is just there. It's like when uh, they're playing No Doubt during one of the fights she has after she gets awakened to her full power in um, in the third act of the movie when she's fighting all the Kree soldiers. Um, they have uh, they're playing uh, No Doubt. It's not playing in the movie itself. It's just playing in general over the soundtrack, but it interacts and the action's kind of in sync with it in, like, not quite to the same degree the music is synchronized as Baby Driver, but it's kind of on its way there. Um, and I think that if she can, you know, work her magic on Guardians 3, maybe she can be the director of Guardians 3. Um, it depends on if Simon Kinberg can, you know, make the case for screenwriters becoming directors with uh, Dark Phoenix, but we'll see, we'll see. Um, and that would be an easy way to solve that problem. Um, so yeah, um, well, there was one other thing that I really wanted to address, and it really came to mind just now when I was talking about the, um, what's it called, the, uh, the sequence when they were fighting on the, uh, on the ship. Uh, this, uh, advertising clip before the movie, um, I'm surprised that they didn't run an Infinite, a, uh, Endgame trailer 
before the movie. I mean, granted, the entire like post credit scene is a end game trailer, but not to the same degree that the end credit scene for the first Avenger was a trailer for the first Avengers. Um, it's uh, the, the they didn't run a trailer for it beforehand. The two trailers that immediately preceded the movie were Frozen Two and The Lion King. Um, which is surprising, because, like, Dumbo didn't get a trailer, um, which is another Disney property. This was Disney's first movie of the year, and it's like, this is the, this is the first major blockbuster of 2018. There was none prior to this. That was, like, a, a domestic uh, major blockbuster, because, like, uh, Wandering Earth came out already, and that movie was giant, and it, uh, what's it called? It, it's not a domestic one, but this is the first one that the average movie-going audience is going to be going to see in droves. Um, I mean, you could probably make the case for, like, Glass, but Glass didn't quite pan out as expected. But this is really the first major one um, from a major studio, Disney's first major outing of the year. Um, so they used it as an opportunity to, to pimp their goods a little bit, um, and they they did it with uh, The Lion King and with Frozen. But there was no Aladdin trailer before it, uh, no um, no Endgame. Um, I'm surprised they didn't drop a Star Wars teaser. Um, so that way they could put that before this. I feel like that's going to definitely happen before Endgame. Um, I'm actually really surprised that they didn't have a Dumbo one, because it's the last major movie you can really put Dumbo in front of, because it's, you know, uh, another Disney movie. Um, so yeah, I, I really can't remember what the other thing was, um, that I wanted to address about the, uh, this movie. It's like, uh... With the soundtrack and all of that. Uh, oh, well, I, if I remember it, I'll do a... Uh, I'll include it in an episode of 30-Minute Reviews when I do... Um, I'm not going to do Pirates of the Caribbean this week. I'm going to actually, in my mind, I'm going to do Creed 2. Um, but, yeah, if I remember it, I'll I'll bring it up there. I really don't remember what the fuck it was. Um, probably because it's 10.30 at night and I'm exhausted. And I literally, like, I literally left the theater... Got in my car and I'm now recording this. So I, I really don't fucking remember what it was I wanted to say. But oh well. We'll remember it when we remember it. And if we don't, we don't. Um. Oh, that was it. The scrolls roll in this movie. That's a pretty major thing. Um, the trailers and everything make it look like the scrolls are the bad guys. Because most of the footage from the movie is from the first, like, half the movie. Um. With some snippets from the very end. Um. And the, the fact that everything teased it as the bad guy is Ben Mendelsohn's Talos and all of that. Now, here's the the thing. The Skrulls aren't actually the bad guys. The Skrulls are refugees trying to escape the Kree because, as we should have expected from the beginning, the Krees are the bad guys. And um, I think the biggest problem with this whole thing with that is is that after this movie was announced, the Skrulls were, you know, going to be the bad guys, there was a lot of speculation that where do you go with the Avengers after, um, after that you do Infinity War and you do that whole thing. Where do you go next? A lot of people assumed you do Secret Invasion, considering the scrolls are now set up, they're shapeshifters and they're doing that, and now the scrolls have been made very sympathetic, and she's helping the scrolls. And I don't think doing Secret Invasion is that great of an idea, I could see them still doing it, but it'd, it'd just be a weird, like, complete tonal shift from the previous movie um, that the scrolls were featured in. That's not to say there aren't extremist sects of the uh, of the scrolls somewhere, but I think it would still be a, an odd decision. Um, so really, this the movie did a great job of making it so we have no idea what the fuck is going on after Endgame. Um, because it can be literally anything at this point, except for Secret Invasion, which is the big thought. Um... 
probably going to do Secret Wars that quick, but oh well. We'll see where they leave us after uh, Endgame, um, emotionally and uh, story-wise. Um, so we'll wrap it up there um, with uh, Captain Marvel. Um, 100% go see this movie. It is entirely worth your time. Um, and uh, the ticket sales. Don't listen to the IMDb rating or the audience rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Those are both being heavily skewed by people who are pissed off with a woman leading a movie. Um, and I read a New York Post um, review of it as well, which should have been your clue right there that the New York Post is kind of fucked up to begin with. Or it was usually a post of the Daily News, one of those two tabloids that they run and they pretend they're real news in New York City. Um, and uh, it, it gave it a one-star review and was like, Oh, a typical man telling her not to use her powers, and it's like, okay, we get it. You're, you're, you're. We get it. You're upset that a woman won't fuck you. Okay, calm down. Just like take your personal feelings out of it. It's not. They're not trying to erase you from existence. No one's coming to get you. This is just a good movie. Shut the fuck up. Because if you, that's the thing that I think happened with someone like that is they went into it being mad, and then they were like, oh, see, the movie wasn't like. They, they went into it expecting to be bad, and then they, in confirmation bias, said in, we're going to try and find evidence to prove that I don't like this movie. Um, but the movie is fantastic. 100% go see this movie. Um, and we'll wrap it up there for today. I don't know what the next movie I'm going to do is. Um, I might do another one later this weekend. I don't know. Uh, we will find out, though, and I will tweet it out if we do. Um, the show's Twitter is currently shared with 30-minute reviews, but I'm probably going to split them up in the near future, at 30minreview on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at AdamTaylor792, um, and we will be back later in next week with another episode. Definitely going to have another episode of 30-minute um, reviews this week uh, covering the big news that Arrow will not be coming back after their truncated season 8 of 10 episodes. Um, and what that possibly means going forward for the other shows on the CW coming out of uh, DC and Berlanti. Um, and we'll be back with that uh, probably tomorrow. Um, and with that, have a great rest of your week. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details.